This evening we want to continue a sermon series that started on the mission life. This is now the commitment step. This is where you do something about your values, what you say is important. Your mission that God has given you to do. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. Last week we started with defining your life mission. We looked at four questions and then four answers that God gives to those four questions. In your notes, number one, the first question to define our life mission is, what will be the center of my life? What or who will be I live for? God's answer is man is to know and to love Jesus. That is to be central. Number two, the second question in your notes is, what will be the character of my life? God wants you to grow in character, become something. God's answer is that man is to become like Christ. We're to think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus. Question number three in your notes. What will be the contribution of my life? What am I going to give back? God's answer to that question is to use my gifts and talents to help others. See, Peter writes, use whatever gifts you have to serve others. And then question number four we looked at. In your notes, what will be the communication of my life? God wants to say something to the world through you, through your life mission. We are his letters written for others to read. So God's answer is that he made us to tell others about Jesus. So based upon God's word then in your notes, I resolve. I resolve to live out my life fulfilling God's mission for me. Resolve to live the rest of my life fulfilling that mission that God made me for. And then to rely on his power to accomplish it. So we're talking tonight about commitment. We are living in a society that really fears commitments. Would you agree with that? Nobody wants to be committed to anything. Keep your options open. Sociologists today have discovered that Americans today are basically committed to nothing. What they are committed to is individual freedom in all options. The problem is that, like when you're going down a buffet line, and you say, I think I'll wait to keep all my options open before I choose. You can get to the end of the line, and you haven't put anything on your plate. 50% of all marriages end in divorce because there's lack of commitment. Yet commitment is the secret of an effective life. Because the key to effectiveness is some focus knowing what is important, knowing what you are going to do with your life. Not doing a thousand things, but focusing in on a few things that you are gifted to do. But there is no focus without a commitment. So we resolve then to live the rest of our lives committed to God's will and God's life mission for us. Look at 1 Peter 4, verse 2. Please read it with me together out loud. From now on, live the rest of your lives controlled by God's will, not by human desires. Circle the rest of your lives statement. It's a saying, regardless of your past, regardless of what happened to you, say, when you're five years old or 15 or even 45. Make the rest of your life the best of your life. 
say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to begin fulfilling God's life mission for me, what he made me to do. Now, you have not really lived until you have felt the thrill of being used by God because you were made for a purpose and you have never really experienced life until you say, yeah, this is what God made me for. We're talking about more than just a decision. We're talking about a commitment. Many people have decided to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, but their life is not committed to fulfilling his mission. Commitment means to give all that I have to someone else who cares for me and who, I, who wants to use me. Today we're going to be talking about some value then of committing. We will share three reasons which are the basis for commitment and three barriers, reason for lack of total commitment. First three reasons to commit to God's will. Number one in your notes, I commit to God's will because God shaped me for a purpose. Because God shaped me for a purpose. Looking at Galatians 1 verse 15, for even before I was born, God has chosen me to be his. He has called me. What kindness and grace. Now we talked about this last week. You will never fulfill your potential unless you commit all yourself to God. And say, God, use me for what you made me for. Use me for your purpose in my life. Number two in your notes. I commit to God's will because, secondly, God knows what is best for me. God really knows what is best for me. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you are plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Obviously, God is much wiser than I am. He's the creator. He's God. And God knows more what will make you happy than you do. God knows what will fulfill your life more than you know what will fulfill your life. He puts you together. But you say, well, I have all these ambitions myself. I have all these goals and these dreams. If I do these things, then I'll be fulfilled. God says, no, you won't. Here's what you were made for me to do. I have given you life. I need to give my life to God. First of all, because he shaped me. Secondly, because he knows what's best for me. But in your notes number three, I can give my life to God because I'm grateful for my salvation. I'm really grateful for my salvation. Look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Christ saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Now I need to give my life to Christ because he first gave his life for me. Jesus suffered and died for you and for me on the cross. He's our Savior. He made that commitment. Jesus shed his blood for me. He has redeemed me from sin and Satan. He bought me, has freed me from slavery, brought me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So for the rest of my life, I need to be thankful for what Jesus did for me at the cross. You know, even if God did not bless us again for the rest of our lives, we would still owe him everything for our salvation, for his forgiveness that's offered. But God promises. God promises continued blessings when we are committed to him, when we trust him. So most of you already know the basis for a total commitment to God. You commit totally to God because he shaped you. Number two, because he knows what's best. Number three, because 
you're grateful for your salvation. Then why don't we? Why don't we live fully committed lives to him? Well, I want to look at three barriers to total commitment next. Three barriers that keep us from taking that step of total, totally committing our lives to God. And you notice number one, the first barrier to total commitment is short-term values. Yeah, short-term values. In other words, when we fail to take the long look, when we don't look at our lives from the long perspective, like 20 years out or 30 years out or from eternity, when you fail to have that long perspective, you tend to live for the here and now. What's the easiest thing? What is most convenient? What's the fun thing right now? So we ignore long-term values. Just look at Mark 4, verse 18. The attractions of this world, the delights of wealth, the search for success, the lure of nice things come in, and what do they do? They crowd out God. Do you know anybody that has happened to? Sure you do. Now, there are four worldly values I've stated, four short-term values that crowd out God. In your notes, number one is pleasure. Pleasure, the attractions of this world. This is the person who says, my goal is to have fun. But that certainly is not the purpose of life. Number two is power. Power, that's the light of wealth. I can afford anything I want. This is what I live for. But again, biblically, this is not the purpose of life. Number three is prestige. Prestige is the search for success. My goal in life is to impress people. Great, but that certainly isn't the purpose of life either. Then Jesus says, number four, the lure of nice things. That is, in your notes, possessions. Possessions. My goal in life is just to acquire things. He with the most toys wins. But that certainly is not the purpose of life either. The point is that even though these things are not necessarily bad in themselves, you cannot make things your goal and still fulfill your life mission. In the management field, Peter Drucker uses an empty box to train people on how to better manage and plan out their lives. The empty square box represents your life. And for the Christian, you decide what single thing you're going to put in that box. Or you can put your career in that box. You can make money in that box. Or you can put Jesus in that box. You can put the dollar sign in that box. Or you can put the sign of the cross. Your life purpose will be the result of what you put into that box. So remember, the ultimate test of values, it is, does it last? Will this last for 10 years, or will this last for eternity? Look at 1 John 2, verse 17 on the back of your notes. The world and all its passionate desires will one day disappear. But anyone who does the will of God will what? Live forever. That's what I call in your notes having a long-term value. This is long-term rather than short-term. Now, the second barrier, keeping you from making a total commitment to Christ. Number two in your notes, past failures. Past failures. That's a real stumbling block for some people. They say, I've made so many failures in my life, I can never be used by God. It usually appears in phrases like, I failed too much. 
I am damaged goods, or God can't use me, or I failed in school, I failed in a marriage, I failed to get married. Many would say, I failed as a parent, or I failed financially, therefore it's hopeless. God can't use me. I'm just a big failure. But look at Philippians 3. Please read those verses with me together out loud. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on for the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Dean, you know, God loves to use failures. Yeah, he loves to use failures. God loves to take people who, from a human standpoint, look like they're all washed up, turn it around, make the rest of their life the best of their life. As you study the scriptures, whether it's Moses or David or Abraham or Paul or anybody that God used, they often went through major, major periods of failure in their lives. God took them through all that, brought them to the point of living their missions. Some of you are saying, I'm just not good enough. I never excelled at anything. I didn't excel at school. I didn't excel at my job. I'm just an average person. Why would God use me? In your notes, we continue. God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways who make extraordinary commitments. Did you catch that? God uses ordinary people, very average people. God does extraordinary things through them when they make that extraordinary commitment to him. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to make that turnaround. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on, I forget my past. So in your notes, the third barrier then, number three in your notes, that's the barrier I call self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. This is when you think of yourself only. You build your whole world around yourself. So you really don't have time for God. Basically, you say, I don't have time, God. I'm just too busy with my career. I don't have time for God's purpose in my life. I have plans. I have my dreams, my ambitions, my goals, things that I've always wanted to do. I know more about life than God does. That's basically what they're saying. God's plan is simply not convenient. The fact is that the self-absorbed life is really a miserable way to live. It's not fulfilling when the biggest thing in your life is just you, only yourself. That's a pretty small goal for all of life. Look at Proverbs 14, 14. It says the backslider is bored with himself, but the godly man's life is exciting. The godly man has so much more to live for. You must have something bigger to which you can give your life. Look at what Christ says in Mark 8, verse 35. If you insist on saving your life, you will what? Lose it. And only those who throw away their lives for my sake, for the good news, will ever know what it means. What it means, what really to live. It's amazing to me the ways that we even try to save our lives. I'm getting older, so I'm going to have plastic surgery done. Or we have this thing called cryonics, where you have someone freeze you when you die to preserve your life, to save your life so that they can bring you back later. Trying to save your life, the Bible says, you lose it. Two things in your notes to do with total commitment to Christ. Number one, the first thing is I must consider the cost. 
Before you make any commitment, you better check out the cost. Looking at Luke 14, Jesus says, No one can be my disciple who does not carry his own cross and follow me. But don't begin until you what? Count the cost. In every commitment, there are benefits one way or another. So Jesus says, count the cost. Look first at what it's going to cost to follow Christ. In your notes, the cost of deal, total commitment. I noted three things here. Number one, I give up the right to do whatever I want to do. Instead, it's God, what did you make me for? God, what is your purpose for me? Number two, I give up the control, the control of my resources to God. I don't any longer control my time because I ask God, what do you want me to do with my time, with my money, with my talents, with my relationships? So you ask God. Number three, I give up the pursuit of worldly values. I no longer seek power, pleasure, and prestige, and possession. That's what it costs to be a follower of Jesus, a total commitment. Number two in your notes, the second thing I must do to make a total commitment to Christ is to rededicate all my life to Christ. Martin Luther asks us to do that every day. Daily, drown the old man and the sinful nature. Let the new man in Christ come forth. So through the power of God's word and the working of his Holy Spirit, in conclusion, and now resolved by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to live the rest of my life to fulfill my life mission. In your notes, number one, to know Christ more each day. To know Christ more each day. Number two, to grow in Christ by studying his word. And number three, to serve Christ with all my abilities. And number four, to share Christ with those who don't know him. See, because God has shaped you, he knows what's best for you, because you are grateful, <coughs> resolved to know Christ more each day, grow in Christ by studying his word, serve Christ with your abilities, and share Christ with those who don't know him.